Welcome to the Jimbo Podcast, where you can find all your favorite Jimbo Show content in one place. Interviews, prank calls, bits, and a whole lot more. And now, here's your host, Jimbo. It's the Jimbo Podcast. Got a great guest today. I've got Steve Eberhardt, who's a... Uh, uh, Steve, you're a radio, Texas Radio Hall of Famer. Is that correct, sir? Well, that's what they tell me. Yeah, they gave me that award a few years ago, so I guess I have to own up to it. But yeah, I've, I'm a broadcaster. I started out when I was a, a kid in high school at age 16, and some 40-something years later, here I am. And I own a radio station and uh, still enjoy doing that. And uh, one of my passions outside of radio was uh, studying to find the truth about my dad. And in the last year, I've written a book on that very subject called Full Circle, A Journey to Find the Truth About My Dad. So, yeah, so and, uh, the, the book um, is something that has been kind of brewing in you all this time. You've been doing all these radio stations and stuff that's, that finally had to get out. Or is this something that, uh, you know, just kind of hit you like, you know what, I need to write a book. Well, the interesting thing is uh, working in radio, the, the fortunate part of that is you usually aren't on the air, but just a matter of a few hours a day. So you have a lot of free time. Mm-hmm. And uh, throughout all of the years, uh, I've, I've been fortunate that I did have a lot of free time to uh, devote to outside interests other than radio. And one of my passions throughout my life besides radio was uh, thinking about my dad. And I'll give you a quick little uh, Cliff Notes version of how I got to all of that. Um, I'm the youngest of seven children. My mom's name was Annie Ruth, and my dad's name was Bill. He was a career Army man in World War II, frontline duty in the first days of the Korean War, one of the very first uh, soldiers in America to wear a green beret. His name is on the uh, first roster of the 77th Special Forces Group out of Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Uh, my six siblings, which are five older brothers and an older sister, I'm the youngest, and my mom grew up in this little town called Lindsay, Texas, about 75 miles north of Dallas. The town had a population of 250, so this was a very small, close-knit little family. Yeah. As a kid growing up there, I knew hardly anything about my dad, only that he had died and that uh, he had been an army guy. And you know, when I would talk to schoolmates at school and stuff, they go, yeah, my dad was in the Army, too. So I didn't think much of it. I thought, well, that's, you know, I guess everybody's dad did that sort of thing. Now, he died when I was three months old. Wow. Uh, he was there when I was born and left a week later for his next Army assignment, which was going to be for two years in Hawaii. And occasionally the family could go along and live on base. But in this particular case, uh, that was not going to work. And so we had to stay behind. So my mom was from Macon, Georgia, and we at the time of my uh, birth, of course, were, had been, uh, just before that, had been living at Fort Bragg. So she decided to move to her hometown of Macon, Georgia, because she had family there that could help with the children and such like that, and since he was going to be gone for two years. Um, he was gone for three months when she got the Stark telegram one morning that he was killed. Yeah. in the line of duty in Hawaii. And it was a bit odd because it was 1957. It was not during war. He had survived World War II, Korea, and all these other things, and uh, now had been killed in what was described as a fall off of a three-story barrack building in the middle of the night in Hawaii, Jeez. which understandably immediately drew suspicion. Yeah. 
And uh, growing up, those were essentially the only details my family were ever given. And that was really the only information other than the fact that they had ruled it a, uh, an accident in their ensuing investigation. So honestly, as a kid, I didn't think of my dad much at all because he was never there. I never knew him. And it just wasn't anything that uh, I thought about. Uh, as a teenager, like a lot of people are, I was curious about, you know, who am I, where did I come from and all that kind of stuff. And uh, started thinking about my dad. And it's like, well, you know, this, this is something I should know more about. This is my own dad, you know. And so I began asking questions of my mom and other relatives. And really much to my amazement, not much was known about his career and even less about his death. And I was a little amazed that nobody had looked into it further. And, uh, you know, this was a time, I guess, when if the government told you something, you believed it. Certainly, we don't live in that world anymore. <laughs> and my, mo my mom and her family were people of very modest means. They didn't have the ability to uh, go to Hawaii or investigate it on their own or call or hire someone to look into it further. So they basically just took what they were told and went on with their lives. And that's kind of where I entered the picture of my investigation into the death of my dad. And really, it was twofold. Not only his death, because I wanted to know what happened to him, because falling off of a building in the middle of the night doesn't sound right. And I knew very little about his military career. So I, I wanted to find out as much as I could about that as well. And so that was the seeds that were set to... Uh, put me into motion to try to figure this all out. I was not a uh, researcher and I knew nothing about any of this kind of stuff when I started out, but uh, I've uh, put myself through quite an education uh, doing this investigation, which literally started when I was a, a teenager back in the 70s. Got a little uh, more steam in the 80s, went dormant for quite a few years, and then uh, in about 2010, uh, things that kind of fell into place that put me back into a hyper mode, if you will. And uh, I spent several years doing a massive amount of personal research into the subject. And much to my amazement, found out a, an enormous amount of information, not only about his career, but uh, events uh, came forward that then allowed me to investigate his death as well. Mm. So I'm, I'm sure this is uh, pretty painful for you, especially that long working on it. And I'm seeing a published date of last year. Did it all, you know, is that right? Is that the first edition of this book to come out? Is that when you kind yes, of have put everything together? Yep, that is correct. Like I said, over the last few years, uh, I put in an enormous amount of research. And then I kind of sat here and had this. And uh, occasionally a family member or somebody would ask me, you know, what have you found out lately? And I said, well, do you have a couple of hours, you know, because it would take that to tell you everything I know. And, and certainly I did share it with my family members and such. But uh, then every time I would, they're like, you need to put this in a book. You need to. And every time I would hear that, I think, yeah, but I don't even I don't know how to write a book. I'm not an author, you know. So um, like many things in life, I just uh, strapped in and figured it out on my own. And I didn't take any courses or anything like that. And so I wrote a book and we published it uh, in the spring of last year. And I never intended to make any money out of it. I never really intended anything other than uh, what I kind of figured out on my own, which was 
I want this story not to die with me. I want this story to be a matter of record. And if you have a book, if you have the written uh, form of a story, it's uh, at least supposed to last forever. Whereas if I tell the story, it can be embellished by the next person. And the true facts and stories sometimes don't parlay to the next uh, round of uh, those who might be interested in it. But a book is, is a matter of record. Yeah. And that's kind of where I was with this. And it's, but, got, it's uh, got five, it, you got five stars on uh, Amazon, Steve. And then we have a mutual friend in Johnny Gowen, who we both know. Um, if you know Johnny, mm-hmm. he's a tremendously very well. He's a tremendously harsh critic. So when he he calls me and says this book is incredible, uh, I was emotional reading it. Uh, I, you know, I, I got really interested to find out how this all came together, and it really is a great story. And we don't want to give away that the story. We want people to actually check it out. It's on uh, Amazon. Uh, it's called Full circle by steve eberhardt and and steve is that the only place they can get it or can they get it somewhere else you can get it directly through the publisher which is lulu l-u-l-u dot com but it's uh, available on either amazon or lulu if you want it direct from the publisher lulu.com is also a way of doing it um i should tell you what was really interesting for me you asked me if this was painful to do all of this? Yeah, yeah. And the answer is no, not at all, because we weren't talking about the subject matter of somebody who had any uh, real relationship to me, if you will. Mm-hmm. Although it was my dad that we were uh, doing the investigation on, uh, it may as well have been about your dad or anyone else's dad, because I didn't know him in any way, shape, or form. So I probably was a bit more objective about it, because uh, as as I would go along in the investigation, sometimes it would lead me in one direction, sometime in another. And I would look at it and say, well, you know what, if it's good, bad, or indifferent, whatever path this goes down, I'm good with it because I just want to know the truth, if it's good, bad, or indifferent. And there were times when I felt like it was going to go in one direction and then it wouldn't. And, uh, you know, I learned so much about his career. My mom used to say, your daddy was a hero. Well, I'm sure a lot of moms said that to kids and I didn't give it much thought at all. But as I investigated over years and years and getting all of his files and uh, doing research into each and every battle that he was in and things like that, I found out several things. Number one, that the information's out there. And this is a good point for listeners who might be uh, interested in a family member, maybe a dad, grandfather, uncle, or something like that, that served in one of these wars. And they never really got the story because as we've heard many, many times before, a lot of the soldiers came home and they didn't want to talk about it and they didn't. And then as time went on, they just never got back to it. And maybe that was on purpose or maybe that was just because that's the way things happen. But a lot of these guys didn't tell their stories and quite clearly he didn't tell a lot of his stories to the family either. Cause they didn't know half of this stuff. When I found out he was uh, quite the hero in fact. Uh, and I, I am one of those people that I'm very careful to use that word because I think it's thrown around a lot when it's not really applicable. But uh, he, he served in World War II with the 82nd Airborne, 504th Company H, 3rd Battalion. Uh, they wrote a book about his company called The Devils in Baggy Pants. Uh, the movie The Bridge Too Far, ah, about the crossing yeah. of the Wall River. My yeah. dad was in one of the first boats to go across there, oh, wow. being shot at, getting the rifle shot out of his hand, grabbing a dead man's rifle and using the butt of it as an oar because the oars were shot out of their hands. He made it through that somehow. He was in the Battle of the Bulge, Market Garden. I've got his ripcord that he parachuted into Market Garden with. He was in Sicily, Africa, Italy, Germany, France. 
two Purple Hearts. He was shot in the leg. He had two Bronze Stars, fourth highest award in Army, four presidential unit citations. I mean, the man was definitely a hero. He was in frontline combat duty, as I mentioned earlier, in Korea, which was crazy. Uh, the stories that uh, came out of there, he had written a letter back home to my grandmother, which I have from uh, Red Cross Stationery when he was in the hospital after the Battle of Taejon. If you really want to know about a story, T-A-E-J-O-N, Google that sometime. And when they talk about the 25th Infantry K Company, that was my dad's. It had over 2,000 men that were killed in one day. He survived by carrying 40 men on his back. Should have got a Medal of Honor, but there was no, nobody left to write it up and yeah. witness it. The uh, commanding officers were all killed. He, in fact, took a battlefield commission at uh, that scene. Lots of heroic things. And when I call him a hero, uh, I, I can't imagine anybody that would dispute that because what he did in the service was amazing. And then, you know, we go to uh, uh, Fort Bragg after the wars, and he's one of the first Green Berets in America. And what's curious to me is uh, how many things he did in the Korean War that after that initial Battle of Taejon, they uh, pioneered the use of uh, scout dogs. He was under the command at one time of General um, Westmoreland, the man who later ran the Vietnam War, mm -hmm. certainly knew him. And uh, just really, when I ste step back and look at this, I'm just like, wow, that was my dad? You know, <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was phenomenal to find out that my own dad had done all of these things. Uh, his career was phenomenal. And then to die after falling off of a roof. And, you know, that was kind of the uh, other part of the story was now we found out all about his career, which is great. But what about this death of his? It doesn't sound right. A guy of his caliber falling off of a roof in the middle of the night. Was it suspicious? Was there a murder? Was it suicide? I had to ask those questions of myself because it certainly came up. Yeah. And in the end, we found... Uh, a lot of information that we didn't know before stumbled into his in full and complete investigation, including his autopsy, which we didn't even know existed. And I was able to go through that. And with the use of uh, some other people's help, uh, really prove without a question what happened the night he died. And was it an accident or was it not? And uh, with as much information as I have, which is as much as a person could get, uh, I have come to a complete and total uh, conclusion, at least to myself, and I don't think there's any room for any uh, way to dispute it of what exactly did happen. Uh, one year ago, almost to date, I went back to Hawaii. I'd been there one time back in the 80s and saw where it happened, but I didn't really know as much information about it because I hadn't researched it to the degree that I have now. But I went back last year as one final step in the uh, research of writing this book, and I was able to go directly to the building that he fell off. It is still there, and it is almost exactly as it was in 1957. And uh, I was even able to go up on that roof uh, to see it, feel it, and experience it. And uh, as I describe in the book, it was a surreal experience. Yeah, I'm sure. And... So that kind of took me all the way around to full circle, which is why the book is titled As It Is. Uh, all these years later, here I was standing at the spot where this whole scene came down. 
Was it, and, uh, uh, was it for you, uh, Steve, any kind of like a, uh, um, a movie where you're kind of like researching this stuff and people are trying to stop you from getting to the information or the information pretty easy to get to? I will tell you, it's exactly the opposite. At almost every turn, at almost every person I spoke to, I was met with nothing but cooperation and positives. And uh, I, I can't explain how many times, as I uh, mentioned briefly before, that I would come up to a stumbling block as I saw it in my research or whatever I was doing as a part of this experience and something would just fall into place. Either a bit of information would pop up that I hadn't even pursued or someone would call me or I would just happen to meet the right person at the right moment who could help me uh, get to where I needed to go uh, or give me the information that I was looking for. Happenstance, luck, or divine intervention, I'm willing to believe any and all. In, in all your research, did you find any similarities between you and your father? Like, I mean, you're in radio. Was there any kind of connection there as, as to why you do what you do? Or is it, was it just uh, all kind of military information on him? Or was there personal information where you could see, well, I could see why I, I kind of have that gene in my system, you know? That's funny that you asked that, because before this whole thing of writing the book last year and getting it out and people reading it and then uh, reacting to it and asking me questions, what you just described is not something I ever considered in my life. I know that I resemble him physically, and the cover of the book has his picture in his dress uniform. And the first thing people say when they see the book, if I hand it to him or whatever, is, oh my gosh, you look just like him. Well, I'm not willing to believe that, but it's hard to deny that I do favor him. He was 5'8", I'm 5'8". He had green eyes, I have green eyes. He was dark-complected, I'm dark-complected. He had dark hair, I have dark hair. Uh, it, it, there are a lot of physical similarities. Uh, he never was in broadcasting, but he was uh, a great writer. The stories that he wrote in letters back home and stuff read like novels. He, he was quite adept at that. He worked in public relations two different times during his career, and uh, from that, probably learned some really great writing skills. Uh, I've been a broadcaster for 40-plus years. I've had a certain level of success in doing so, but I think uh, I'd like to think in my own personal opinion that I like to write more than I do broadcast, which might surprise a lot of people because I have a huge amount of passion for that, but I do equally for writing. And I think it comes to me rather naturally. And if that came from him, so be it. But yes, over the last year, I have had to come to the realization that uh, there's a little bit of him in me for sure. Yeah. And I'm a veteran of Houston radio and I notice your, your whole uh, roster is all, all been in Dallas and uh, I'm sure you've got mm -hmm. quite a following in the Dallas area with, you know, all the stations you worked at and working on TV. Um, is there any kind of uh, takeaways you take from your, all your years and some of the great stuff you've done uh, just working in that area and, and the Dallas people? Cause I, I mean, I have a feel for Houston, but you know, I always admire those who worked in the Dallas market. Well, Dallas was a very unique market. I grew up uh, working in uh, the little hometown that I grew up in at the radio station there, which I now actually own, which is a little full circle as well, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, the bulk of my career was in Dallas radio, some of it on television, some of it on network radio for 20 years as well. But uh, I worked for all of the big stations, uh, KVIL, K-Love, uh, Mix 1029. I did some work on... Uh, 
a couple of others, but uh, worked at KVIO when it was the biggest station, not only in Dallas-Fort Worth, but one of the most envied in the nation. And uh, the experience from there uh, really propelled me to be able to parlay it into a career uh, that would last for over 40 years. And I'm sure you have great radio stories, and I know this is not the uh, the avenue we're going, but is there one you could share with us maybe that uh, was either inspirational or, or comic in your career? I know there's there's plenty of things that have happened to me. Uh, well, you're, you're, you're right. I could write a whole book on that, and maybe I should someday. <laughs> Full circle. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I'll, I will tell you one story very quickly uh, that probably inspired me perhaps more than any event in my career. And that was one time when I was working at one of the stations and uh, the uh, person who was my boss was a very well-known programmer and uh, personality. And there was a situation where I did not get a promotion that I was expecting and they went with somebody else, you know, typical deal. Yeah. And, and that happens. And I was de- definitely disappointed. And uh, the next day I came in, the boss came up to me and he said, it's like this. You can roll over and play dead, or you can prove the, and he used a word that I probably shouldn't use, let's, let's say jerks, you okay. can prove the jerks wrong, okay? <laughs> gotcha. You can roll over dead or prove the jerks wrong. And he walked out of the room, and I stood there for a moment, and I thought, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And, and I did. And a few months later, I had that promotion, and the other person didn't work out and went away, and... And uh, I have never uh, forgotten that conversation. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, what I've done with this book and a lot of things in my life required perseverance. And it's don't let them hold you down. Don't, you know, when somebody says, no, we don't have that information. You know, the old adage is, well, just don't take no for an answer. Ask the question a different way or something. And there is a little bit of validity to that. But One of the big lessons that I've learned, as I mentioned briefly earlier in this whole experience, is if you are truly interested in finding out this information, if you've got the time, if you've got the willpower, and and don't mind a lot of work and some money goes along with it too, I can promise you, you've got to spend a little money to find some of this information. There, There are places that you can find out more than you would have ever imagined. I know I did. And, uh, it's 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 kind of like that old uh, uh, TV show where they said you know the answers are there or whatever that was, and and it is true you know the the answers are there if you know where to look and if you get real lucky, and both happened to me. Well, real quick before we uh, get, get, we'll talk about full circle one last time here, uh, the radio station KGAF. You look like you're, you know I'm just reading some of the th- stuff that you guys are doing, and uh, by our mutual friend Johnny Goen, like I said, is a harsh critic. He really loves uh, what you've done with the station. So I, it seems like you're having a good time. Am I wrong? You know what I do. <laughs> I, I have a, I have a great passion for what I do, whether it be writing this book or whether it be broadcasting, and. I've been lucky to be able to do it. And, you know, people always say, find something that you love and you'll never have to work. I couldn't say that any louder. It's absolutely true. I would do what I do for free and almost have a few times. But uh, this is this is what I do is for fun. And I've been incredibly fortunate to be able to make it a career and to be able to uh, 
live a life that allowed me to do this. Yep. Steve Eberhardt, thank you so much for being on the show. The, the, the book is called Full Circle. Steve, tell everybody where they can get the book. You can go to Amazon and just uh, search for Full Circle, the name of the book, Eberhardt, or put my whole name, Steve Eberhardt, E-B as in boy, E-R-H-A-R-T, uh, and you can get it there, or you can go to lulu.com, www.lulu.com. Either way, they have it, and uh, if you uh, enjoy it, send me an email and tell me what you think. I well, always love hearing from folks that have read it. Steve, and this is the first time we met. I want to thank you for being on the show. And as a writer myself, I've written screenplays. It's very inspirational to see another radio personality uh, finish something and get some great reviews on it. And uh, it really kind of does, you know, that extra time that you talk about <laughs> needs to be used wisely. And hopefully uh, I will get to the where Steve Eberhardt is right now. And, and I appreciate your time because I know you're a busy guy. Thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Hope you like the book. This has been the Jimbo Podcast. Tune in again next week for another new show. Okay? Bye.